0: Praise the Lord. This is Apostle William Kevin Brett from First Century Christ Church International Ministries. And this is our morning consecration call. Praise God. Last year, we did it every single day. I feel like this year, God is calling people to their own personal consecrations. I don't know how many days, and how many mornings we'll do it, but we'll do it as much as we feel God has directed, ordered, and maintains. But we want to welcome you. You're here by radio or podcast, and we just want you to know that we did this with you in mind. You're not an afterthought. You're not a secondary part of this. You were an active part of this as God envisioned it and planned it out. And so we're praying for a now word to be released. That is a now word for your life, just as much as it's a now word for those that are here live. Father, we thank you, my God, for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness and your grace. We thank you for your son's special name among men. And we ask that you continue to bless us strengthen us and lift us up we we seek your face father and we know that it is because of you that we are loved that we are we are we are desired that it's because of you that we are redeemed it's because of you your son executed it but it was your plan your spirit is facilitating it but it was your plan and so we thank you father and we lift you up we pray against every distraction we pray against every affliction We pray against everything that turns this relationship that we're building with you into a religious movement, Father, may we stay focused on this intimacy, let's stay focused on the relationship, let's stay focused on our commitment to you, may we see your glory, may we see your righteousness realized. May you fill this room, Father God, everyone that's here right now, I pray you touch my God, you touch them in the spirit realm, you touch those that are here listening to the recording, you touch those listening by radio as you touch them, my God, no matter what the day is, no matter what the year is, no matter what the time is, may you touch them, my God, and bring them into agreement with us that we're going to receive a powerful word from you, that we're going to receive an anointing from you, that we're going to be blessed, that we're going to be completed in you and strengthened in you and that we're going to receive a word that's going to fill the different avenues and sinews and parts of our being that are in need, my God. I pray for needs to be met right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray against every distracting spirit right now father i pray against every lying murmuring spirit right now in the mighty name of jesus may your glory continue to be realized may your righteousness continue to flow may your holiness continue to be magnified in yeshua's mighty name and the body of christ says that we get an amen in the house of the lord Amen. Amen. amen amen praise god praise god Well, saints, um, for those of you who might have looked at the broadcast uh, announcement, today um, is uh, a message that I very rarely write things down. But the Lord was downloading this thing to me this morning. And it was just like, I can't remember all of this stuff. I got to write it down. And so I started to write down everything the Lord was ministering to me. It really did come up as a revelatory encounter. Um, I very rarely use um, this type of these type of metaphors against worldly stuff but it just so happens that that's what came to mind so i'm going to go with it the seven habits of highly effective disciples the seven habits of highly effective disciples and i did receive this this morning prophetically from the lord so it is a prophetic word of discipleship uh receive it as such don't receive it as some sort of systematic approach to your Christianity. Remember, we're in an intimate relationship with our father. We're not in a legalistic relationship with the religion. So, But he outlined the seven habits. So I'm going to read the habits first, each one individually. If anybody wants a copy of it, just indicate that you want a copy of it at the end, and I'll make sure to get you a copy because I did write it out. So the first habit is being consistently broken and contrite. The second one is Consistently anchored centered and focused on the cross. The third one is consistently carries their cross daily. The fourth one is consistently kingdom focused, always mission critical. The fifth one is obsessed with prayer. The sixth one is Sabbath. And the seventh one is obsessed with God ordering their steps. And like I said, this came revelatorily to me this morning. um, I've been up. I I tried to sleep. I couldn't even sleep. I I think I went to bed around 3.30, quarter to four. Couldn't get any real sleep. God was just ministering this into me. And um, so let's just go through it. So we talked about the first one being consistently broken and contrite. And the Lord was ministering to me that all of these things have to happen in order. That brokenness and contrition is the first order in God. A lot of times, though, we tend to lose our brokenness and contrition as we feel like we've matured in Christ. But the reality is the higher up you go, the more broken you need to be. So you need to walk in brokenness, whether you've got a title, whether you don't have a title, whether you're seen, whether you're not seen, whether you're acknowledged or whether you're not acknowledged. And you need to be able to accept correction and rebuke without excuses or rebuttal and always remain teachable this is 24 by seven so this it doesn't mean you get to a bad pastor and now nobody can tell you nothing you get to bishop and now nobody can tell you nothing or you get to apostle and nobody can tell you anything because now you've arrived you see the most highly effective disciples in the bible maintained a brokenness the bible said that moses was the humblest man on earth and of course that was up until jesus and then Jesus became the humblest man on earth. He said he humbled himself even till death. Moses didn't humble himself even till death and struck the rock and was not allowed to go into the promised land because he operated with an instance of pride. And since he sat as a vicar of Christ, God punished him for that. We probably wouldn't have got punished for that because we weren't walking. He, We weren't Moses at the time. Uh, Moses, being the vicar of Christ, had to live up to the standard of Christ as the vicar of Christ. And so when he struck the rock in pridefulness, God punished him by not allowing him to go into the promised land. So it says that he was the humblest man on earth at the time. The next time that that was repeated is Jesus Christ. So the two most powerful men on the entire planet. We're the most broken and contrite. And, you know, we come to the Lord, sometimes we're broken and contrite. We're coming from a busted up marriage. We're coming from an addiction problem. We're coming from uh, uh, traumas, emotional traumas in life. We're coming from just a, a, a sense of mental issues, depression, whatever it is. And we tend to come to the Lord crying and all busted up and broken and contrite. Then we get a little word in us. And instead of the word making us more broken and contrite, somehow the word Makes us unteachable. The word makes us unbroken and uncontrite. And then sometimes we can get caught up in the natural things. We're worried about whether someone's respecting our title, or we're worried about whether we were given a title. We're worried about whether somebody saw us or didn't see us. Is it the, 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 most cons, the, the most effective disciples in the Bible were consistently broken and contrite 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Always teachable, always correctable, always rebukeable, never making excuses, never getting a rebuttal, never seeking acknowledgement, never changing because of or the absence of acknowledgement. Consistently broken. Are you consistently broken in every area of God's house? Maybe that might be affecting your effectiveness as a disciple consistently anchored centered and focused That's so what sounds like you're saying the same thing i mean anchored centered and what's the difference between anchored centered and focused well the most consistent excuse me the most effective disciples are consistently anchored centered and focused on the cross 24 hours a day seven days a week anchored means if circumstances cause them to drift they don't shift their reliance on some ability they had in the natural they don't shift to some new place to pride themselves in buffering themselves by their finances or their title or their education or their job they always return to the cross from any drifting they always return to their validation being christ crucified sometimes what happens is we drift And then we're not feeling our presence in God. Instead of returning to the cross, we rely on that bachelor's degree we got or that doctorate degree or some skill that we know we can do because we could do it before we got saved. And we're not, we're now no longer anchored to the cross. We're anchored to an ability. And of course, if that ability leaves or if those finances leave or that wealth leaves or your social station is changed, then you're no longer in a a solid because you are anchored something other than the cross but the most effective disciples are always anchored to the cross so when they see something that's derailing them they grab stronger onto the anchor of the cross okay consistently anchored consistently centered means everything they do is motivated by the cross listen let me tell you something the most effective so i'm not telling you who to marry i'm not telling you what job to have i'm not telling you where to live I'm just telling you that the habits of highly effective disciples is the wife that I marry is focused on how she's going to help me be centered in the cross. Okay. The job I have, I'm going to make sure that job doesn't interfere with me being centered in the cross where I live. I'm going to make sure that where I live is functional for me being centered in the cross centered means everything you do, is motivated by the cross. Focused means you remain properly motivated in that centered position. Sometimes it can look like we're cross-focused, but we're being competitive. Someone's doing well, and now we want to prove we can do well. Someone's singing well, so we want to sing well. Someone's building ministry, so we want to build ministry. Someone got a title, so we want a title. Or we think it's our time, or we think it's our season. And and, and now we're no longer cross-centered. Our motivation is not Jesus Christ crucified. There's some selfish ambition or some selfish aspect of our being now creeping in. And though what looks like you're anchored in Jesus And it looks like you're centered in Jesus. Your motivations are off. Okay? So focus means maintaining the right motivation. Focus means making sure you don't let distractions creep in. Because you're focused. I'm focused on staying centered and anchored. I have a good keen sense of when something is destabilizing me and taking me out of that position. Okay? and that takes us right into number three consistently carries their cross daily so now i'm anchored i'm centered i'm focused but now i've got to be carrying that cross every day i can't be anchored centered and focused monday to friday but saturday and sunday i'm kind of not carrying my cross so i'm taking a vacation from the lord the seven habits of highly effective disciples they never fail to carry their cross daily. What does that mean? That means beatitude living. You're going to follow the Christian moral code. Matthew five one to seven twenty seven is a good place to get a good summa- sum- summation. Of the Christian moral code, I'm not saying every aspect of the Christian moral code is in there, but that's a real good place to start. And from there, I'm sure God's Spirit will lead you into whatever other aspects of the Christian moral code you need to maintain. So that means if you have a problem with anger, you've got to address that problem every day, every morning. You're gonna to have to get up and make sure you're detoxing from your anger. You got a lust problem every morning. You got to detox from your lust problem. You got a greed problem every morning. You got to get up and. Detox from your greed problem. You've got a problem loving your enemies. That means every morning you got to get up and be attitude living daily. And that means you have to plan. This is not an optional thing or something that just haphazardly happens. Each one of these words is important. You need to plan, regular, prioritize, daily. Listen, it's planned. So it doesn't just happen happenstance. It's regular meaning you have a schedule for it and it's supposed to happen every day. It's prioritized, meaning it can't get knocked out the box and somehow it just doesn't get done. A daily consecration ritual. I say ritual because you need to do it ritualistically. I don't mean do mantras that are ritual. I mean the consecration plan that's regular, that's prioritized, that's daily, needs to be followed like a ritual. And ideally, you've got one in the morning, and if you're prioritizing it, it'll probably be first thing in the morning, right? And then you got one in the night, and if you're prioritizing it, it'll probably be the last thing in the night, okay? This is the behavior. These are the seven habits of highly effective disciples. Maintain righteous circles. Most Most highly effective disciples maintain a righteous circle. They are not unevenly yoked with non-believers they have a good relationship with disciples at their peer level they have a good relationship with disciples and their met that that are mentoring them and they have a good relationship with disciples that they're mentoring that it's balanced that it's properly yoked i would say you not only don't want to be unevenly yoked with non-believers you don't want to be unevenly yoked with believers this happens a lot to pastors pastors have a problem maintaining righteous circles Cause you got these, you got some pastors that don't fellowship with other pastors. So they have no peer level yoking and they don't have any mentorship level yoking. They only have disciples that they're leading. So then they don't have a, they don't have, they're unevenly yoked within their discipleship relationships because they don't have any peers that they're fellowshipping with. So every time they fellowship, it's a drain on them because they're only fellowshipping with mentees. Pastors are notorious for breaking one of these habits. Jesus, having no mentor on earth equal to him, often went off to quiet places to pray. Why? To maintain a righteous circle. He maintained righteous circles of influence. You should have four, you should have three circles of influence, and four circles, because you're going to interact with non-believers or you got to leave the planet. So there's going to be a circle like that, but it's not a righteous circle. It might be an evangelistic circle or a kingdom circle. Those three circles are people you're mentoring, people who are at your peer level, and people who can mentor you. Every healthy disciple has this. Even Yeshua did. And since there was no one on earth that he could fellowship with that could mentor him, he often went off to quiet places to be with the Lord. Most highly effective disciples, we're, we're here at that consistently carrying their cross daily, cut off everything that offends the cross. You know what's offending the cross. Like if you're in a job that offends the cross, then what's time you, you need to go to work and quit and not be able to pay your bills? But you ought to be looking for another job. If the job is offensive to the cross, what's more important, the job or the cross? You're telling me to leave my job. Nope, I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm just telling you what highly effective disciples do. They find, I find that because I'm one of those type of people that won't ever leave a business or a job, as long as I'm making money at it, that God literally has to take me out of places like, nah, this place is an offense. I'm getting you out. Hell. Yeah. I don't, I don't suggest that you wait for that, but I'm just telling you that that's something that experience I experienced with the Lord everything that offends got to go you got a good boyfriend that's offensive you got to go got a girlfriend she's offensive to the cross got to go the most productive the most effective disciples consistently carry their cross daily and that means to be able to not have over be overwhelmed by distractions one of the things they do is they cut off everything offends it says if your right eye offend thee cut it off Now, Jesus said that to be extreme, and nobody's cutting out their right eye, no one's cutting off their right arm, but the extremity is, it would go as far as your body. That means if it's a family member, they got to go. And they may not have to go completely, like maybe it's a brother, sister, cousin, uncle. You may not have to cut them off completely, but you might have to restructure the interaction so that you're not unevenly yoked and you've cut off the offensive part. Okay? Better to enter the kingdom without your uncle or your cousin or a deep relationship with your uncle, cousin, or neighbor, um, and then to have that deep relationship with your uncle, cousin, or neighbor and then go into the lake of fire. That's what he meant when he said, if your right eye offend thee, pluck it out. He was saying it goes as far as a part of your body. That means, and it can't be nothing closer to you than a part of your body. And if he's saying you got to cut off a piece of your body, that means there is no there are no exceptions. If something is an offense to the cross in your life, I don't mean a sinner, so don't say, "Oh, they're offended across because they commit sin." No, I mean you know spiritually, it is impacting you spiritually, and it's becoming an offense to your temple. That's what we're talking about. So we're not talking about you becoming conceited, high and mighty, and judgmental, and now you cutting off everybody that don't that sins. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about something that offends your spirit, something that offends one person may not offend another person. You know, maybe you have a. Sure. Maybe you got a background in club hopping and, and 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 you know sleeping around. And you got a cousin that you and him used to do that with. You and him used to go around, going from club to club. Now he's still kind of doing that, and you're not doing that. But every time you connect with him, you feel a strong pull in your spirit to go back to doing that. That's something that offends you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Number four consistently kingdom focused and always mission critical that means this is an everyday thing you deprioritize your personals when your personals conflict with kingdom movements highly effective disciples see a difference between their kingdom movement and their personals and where their personals conflict with a kingdom movement they deprioritize their personals so that the kingdom movement takes precedent That's what it means for the kingdom movement to be mission critical, always prioritizes kingdom efforts. So that means that not only do you deprioritize your personals, maybe it's not an issue of your personals. Maybe it's just a kingdom effort that you're obligated to for some level and you're allowing things to crowd in on that. No, you organize, prioritize and structure your life. I'll tell you a fancy story funny story I said fancy I meant funny yesterday we were walking to the store me and my son and my son had the adult umbrella with this thing is like a almost a beach umbrella and he's walking down the street and I said son you got to move out of the way you can't hit people with the umbrella so he's looking at me and he's like it's too big the umbrella's too big I'm like no the umbrella's not too big you just got to figure out how to move out the way so at first he was getting upset with me but then ultimately he figured out I can look further up in front of me I can see people coming I can anticipate that this umbrella is probably going to poke them in the eye. And I can slide behind my dad before they get there so that they can get that. Oh, come on now. There you go. You see that in the anointing. You see that. See, when you're always prioritizing kingdom efforts, you don't wait for things to pop up in your face. You go, oh, well, I was going to do this kingdom effort, but I can't because I got to do this now. No, you look down the field. You know you got this kingdom effort. You know it's a priority. So you're looking down the field of things and you're moving stuff out the way so the kingdom effort takes priority. You know, um, so we, we can't, we can't, focusing on kingdom priorities like driving a car. When you were taught to drive a car, what did it tell you? Look as far as the eye can see. Because what's the temptation when you uh, amateur driving a car to look at the hood ornament, and then you can't move fast enough to get out of the way the cars that's coming? Because you're not looking down the field and anticipating traffic movement. You're there dealing with something right in front of your face. You're inevitably going to crash. Okay, because I used to remember when I, used to, when I first started driving, I would drive and i would going to go, man, I got to get this car away. Man, I got to get this car away. Wow, this is so hard. And then I remember, oh, I'm looking down. I'm looking at what's right in front of me instead of looking as far as I could see. Then I would raise my eyes up and the driving got so much easier. Some of us, we need to raise our eyes up on these kingdom efforts that God has us on because these excuses we're making for deprioritizing kingdom efforts, it's really because we're not seeing the whole field. We're only looking at the hood on them. Amen. The most highly effective disciples, okay, never procrastinate on kingdom efforts. You know, when God's telling you to do something, you're just sort of sitting around. God's told you to read a certain book, and you sitting around, you know, delayed it. God's told you to do a certain effort. you sitting around delaying it. Yeah, you procrastinate procrastinating on kingdom efforts. The most highly effective disciples never procrastinate on kingdom efforts. And the high, most highly effective disciples realize... That to be kingdom focused and righteousness focused, they got to be obsessed with bearing the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Before you speak, before you act, ask yourself, is the byproduct of this speaking, is the byproduct of this action going to be a manifestation of the fruit of the spirit? If the answer is no, perhaps that's not the action that you should be taking or the words you should be speaking obsessed with following the most excellent way the way of love love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it's not proud it's not rude it's not self-serving it's not easily angered and keeps no records of wrongs see a person who's consistently kingdom focused and always mission critical every day understands all those key points i'm gonna tell you a secret a lot of people who want to bear fruit in souls you got to first bear fruits of the spirit before you can bear fruits of souls. You never really have to worry about bearing fruits of souls if you bear fruits of the spirit. They always give birth to fruits in souls. Number five, obsessed with prayer. Obsessed with prayer means you often go to quiet places to pray, and it also means prayer is the go-to move before acting out. Prayer is the go-to move before complaining. Prayer is the go-to move before making decisions. Eight, the, the most highly the, the habits of the most highly effective disciples are obsessed with prayer. Hallelujah. Then we have Sabbath. I said I use the word Sabbath because I couldn't think of a better word. Sabbath means they rest when they're ordered to by God. You literally, there are times when God says, I need you to take a rest sometimes you go well, i can't rest now god Because you're going to be the trooper and you're going to oh no i'll take a rest after i do these. but god's already saying take a rest but you don't want to do it because you're going to show how superhuman you are no what's going to happen is you're going to probably burn yourself out and make yourself a nice big sandwich for the enemy okay? and so the, the the most highly effective disciples know when to rest and do so i'm not saying that elisha was not a highly effective disciple he was but where his discipleship broke down Is where he overexerted himself, got himself exhausted, and then fell prey to Jezebel. And the last one, obsessed with God ordering their steps. That means you're not going to be anxious. You're not going to be selfish. You're not going to be ambitious. You're going to wait on God's direction. And when you receive that direction, you move on faith when you're instructed, even if you can't see it the direction that God is taking you with it, but you know he's telling you to do it, you step out on faith and you do it because it's God who's giving you that direction. So there you go. The seven habits of highly effective disciples. That's what the Lord downloaded to me this morning. Um, I lost a lot of sleep over it. So hopefully it's been a blessing to your life. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of your son, Christ Yeshua, we thank you for this word. And we thank you, my God, for you just blessing us with understanding and wisdom and giving us direction and ordering our steps and strengthening us in your spirit, Lord. We ask that you continue to lift us up and bring glory into Your our lives, to uh, uh, bring glory into other people's lives and our lives through our obedience to your Holy Spirit. We humble ourselves before you, Father. Thank you for your love and your compassion, your ongoing patience. Forgive us where we've fallen short. And Father, if we've offended you, we apologize We ask that you forgive us of that offense. Show us where our ignorance is so that we won't offend you in the future. We thank you for these things in Yeshua's mighty name. And the body of Christ says, can we get an amen in the house of Praise God. For those of you connected. Amen. And amen. Praise God. For those of you connected by radio and podcast, we hope to connect with you again.